Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Despite getting some rains here and there this week, looking deeper into the months ahead is not encouraging for the Texas Panhandle. I'm James Hunt, and I'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Cotton farmers set to evaluate new seed varieties for a possible release in 2022. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan in Marshall. This week we've traveled quite a bit. The major topic of discussion was the winter storm of 2021 and its effects on East Texas agriculture. Will it never end? We'll have those stories plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Many areas of Texas have gotten at least some rain over the past week, and that has caused a sharp decrease in drought conditions. Jessica Domel has more. Thanks to rainfall over the past few weeks, less than half of the state is now suffering from drought conditions. According to the Texas Water Development Board, 45% of Texas is under moderate or worse drought. That is down 20 percentage points from last week and is 30 percentage points lower than the beginning of April. It is the third week in a row that we've seen improvement in our drought conditions. While improvements have been widespread, there are areas of the state that are still mired in extreme and exceptional drought. They include the area west of Lubbock, far west Texas, and the western side of the lower Rio Grande Valley. Much of east Texas and northeast Texas are drought-free. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The Texas wheat harvest is finally getting underway. That's according to the latest Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report released on Monday. It shows 5% of the winter wheat crop now harvested here in Texas. That same report also shows wheat condition ratings, which have seen a slight improvement. The latest ratings show 8% of the Texas wheat crop rated excellent, 22% rated good, 39% rated fair, and 31% of the wheat crop rated poor to very poor. We've reached the three-quarter mark on corn planting, the report showing 76% of the Texas corn crop now in the ground. We have corn crop ratings also, 11% of the crop rated excellent, 67% of the corn rated good, 18% rated fair, and 4% rated poor to very poor. With the recent rain we've seen across Texas, we have to wonder if we're looking at a rainy summer in the panhandle. James Hunt tells us the outlook is not really encouraging. Depending on whose forecast you're going by, the rains that have been scattered around the area in recent days might come and go for a few days more. And if you're a Texas panhandle farmer, hopefully you've gotten or will soon get that planting rain you've been waiting for for so long. But when it comes to the outlook for the months to come, Things are not encouraging. Michael Gittinger of the National Weather Service office in Amarillo describes what forecasters foresee for the summer. Generally, they're forecasting the drought to actually spread again from the desert southwest 
where it's really is at the core of it is kind of west of here. We're on the edge of it. It's going to spread a little bit back into West Texas in the panhandle and that our conditions are going to worsen. Of course, we've all been hoping that the La Nina that's often blamed for our below-normal rainfall will be succeeded by a more rain-friendly El Nino. But Gittinger says even though the outlook leans toward a transition from this current La Nina to a neutral pattern this summer, the odds for a new El Nino coming soon are on the low side. In fact, we might be facing a new La Nina this fall. Going back-to-back La Nina is what caused the 2011-2012 problem, right? So we're going to hope that that's not what happens. It's not a real high probability. It's around 45% chance of La Nina, 40% chance of neutral. So it's pretty equal. But we definitely are going to want to root that we stay neutral and don't go into a second-year La Nina. And in offering us some cause for optimism, Gittinger says we can cross our fingers that the outlook is wrong. Forecasting for an entire season is tricky, as some recent local experience reminds us. Outlooks are tough deals, and the outlook for this past winter was below normal snowfall, and it snowed 34 inches. It's still a young science, I would say. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton farmers are evaluating new cotton varieties across the cotton belt, including many here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest is Keelan Golston. He is Delta Pine Cotton Product Manager joining us from near Tupelo, Mississippi. And uh, Keelan, uh, the new product evaluator program that Delta Pine has had in place allows cotton farmers across the cotton belt, including many from Texas, to uh, evaluate uh, new cotton varieties uh, that may be released for the coming year. And uh, you folks uh, have a number of those that are available uh, for the farmers to look at during the 2021 growing season. Let's first talk about the Thrive On technology and what that brings uh, to uh, the industry. We're really excited, Tom, that we're going to be testing uh, Bogard 3 Thrive On ExtendFlex varieties in NPE this year for the first year. We'll have three that will be tested across the belt. Two of those will be in limited NPEs and one of them will be broadly tested. Uh, We're really looking forward to growers having an opportunity to see this technology on their farm, as well as evaluate the new germplasm that this technology is in. The Thrivone technology is the first biotech trait to give resistance against piercing and sucking insects such as thrips and tarnished plant bugs. Now, farmers will evaluate uh, those variety candidates and then uh, provide feedback to uh, Delta Pine agronomists and yourself and others. And also, uh, there's a a number of uh, varieties that will be uh, specific for West Texas growers. Uh, Talk about those and what they may uh, provide. We've got one root knot nematode resistant variety that will be tested in in Texas. Uh, We're really uh, excited about the yield potential of this variety and also the fact that not only is it resistant to root knot nematode, but it's also resistant to bacterial blight. So it's got a really good plant health uh, component to it. We've got three experimental varieties that we'll be testing in West Texas that I am really excited about. All three of these are large seeded varieties with excellent early season vigor and stand establishment. All three of them have resistance to bacterial blight and really good tolerance to vert wilt as well. So these are varieties that I think are going to bring some things to that West Texas market that growers are are certainly looking for and, and I'm just excited for our 
really good NPE growers in Texas to evaluate these varieties on their farms and give us feedback as we go through the growing season. That is Keelan Golston. He is Delta Pine Cotton Product Manager joining us today from Mississippi. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. East Texas is still feeling the effects of winter storm Uri back in February. James Duncan reports from Marshall. On May the 1st in East Texas, it's normal to hear the clink and clank of mowing machines and hay balers. Not so this week. Going to have to catch up. It'll take a couple of weeks yet, possibly Memorial Day, before we get that first cutting of hay. The timber production is going to be hampered for many years to come due to the fridge damage. More has shown up in many areas. The only picture of hope is that many producers planted ahead and planted some cut over land early, even though it was wet, cold, and we got it done, though. The quick planting will pay dividends down the road. Fruit orchards, well, the peaches and the grape vineyards are coming on. They're a little slow right now, but we're going to have plenty of fresh, delicious East Texas peaches available. Homegrown vegetables are really behind, and many farmers' markets are going to open on May the 22nd. They'll be short of that locally produced produce, though, and it'll probably be the 27th before we really get our produce coming in on the local level. Back to the forage for just a moment. As I said, hay is slow, but many of our producers are grazing cattle from the drier areas of the state since we do have the rain. We've got plenty of forage coming. The cattle that are on it are gaining and keeping up with the growing forage, and the calving that is going on right now is a little late, but they're doing good for this time. We've got to get that over with by mid-June. But hope springs eternal on the farm. The sun is shining, and watermelon season is on the horizon. The grass will continue to grow. The world keeps spinning. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today. The Biden administration has released its much-anticipated 30 by 30 report. Michael Clements tells us more about it from Washington. The Conserving and Restoring America, the Beautiful Report, also known as 30 by 30 Report, seeks to conserve 30% of U.S. land and water by 2030. American Farm Bureau Federation Vice President for Public Affairs Sam Kiefer says the report provides high-level priorities for the effort. The goals of this report are announced in the charge the president identified in his executive order. But this report does is identify eight principles that the administration would like to follow over the course of the next 10 years to pursue those objectives. Kiefer says the principles included in the report address the needs of farmers and ranchers. The report goes out of its way to recognize the concerns raised by Farm Bureau and by agriculture in general. And it also recognizes the contributions that farmers and ranchers have made in conservation. This report is philosophical, broad and high level in nature, but it identifies important principles that we can agree with, such as incentive-based and voluntary conservation, personal property rights, and continue ranching on public lands. Kiefer says now the agencies engaged in the process will find ways to develop and implement the strategies. Our task is to make sure that we continue to be at that table and that we have an opportunity to provide input, even though the document is 
is complementary of agriculture, the details matter. And we look forward to being a part of putting the meat on the bones with the details and making sure that the administration is true to their promise to protect American agriculture. Learn more at FB.org. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. If you take your dog to a community dog park, you need to be careful about what they might pick up there. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you take your dog to a community dog park this summer, you need to be careful about your dog picking up some undesirable things. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explains. As the weather warms up, dog parks will become a popular place. And they're a great fun for you and your pet, but there is one health concern and that is becoming infected with intestinal parasites. Most dog parks have no requirement for pets to have vaccinations or parasite control. So you have no clue if the other dogs are healthy or if they could be carrying a disease or parasites that could infect your pet. Not to say you should not take your dog to community dog parks, but you need to make sure that your dog is currently vaccinated and protected from picking up disease or intestinal parasites. And if you do take your dog to a dog park, it is highly likely they will encounter intestinal parasites from other dogs. One study that took samples from over 3,000 dogs visiting almost 300 dog parks indicated that at least one parasite was found in 20% of the dogs in 85% of the parks tested. Giardia was the most commonly found protozoan parasite and causes diarrhea with blood. Hookworms were the most common nematode, and hookworms also can cause diarrhea plus anemia and can infect people. Hookworms and whipworms were found in dogs of all ages and roundworms were found in dogs only less than four years of age. 42% of the dogs less than one year of age were infected with either Giardia or one of the other parasites. So this is a common problem affecting a large percentage of dogs. For this reason, at least annual fecal testing is recommended for all dogs, and all dogs should be in a heartworm preventative, not only to prevent heartworms, but these medications can also control some of the intestinal parasites. Again, annual fecal testing for parasites should be performed by your veterinarian on all dogs. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. You can help protect and preserve sea turtles here in Texas. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. It is sea turtle nesting season in Texas, and so far, the Padre Island National Seashore Division of Sea Turtle Science and Recovery has spotted 48 Kemp's Ridley nests along the Texas coast. Wendy Knight, the executive director of Sea Turtle Inc., says if you encounter a nesting sea turtle on the beach, there are three things that you should do. The most important thing you should do is don't touch it. They're federally protected. The second thing you should do is call us. We have a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week 
emergency number. And that number is 956-243-4361. The next thing you should do is just keep your distance, regardless of whether you think it's alive or it's dead. You just keep your distance and alert us and we will do the rest. Knight encourages people to report nesting sea turtles because if they are on a public beach, they may not make it. I'll talk about the beaches here in South Texas specifically. We have many county beaches. You can drive cars on county beaches. You can drive trucks. You can camp overnight. We are a heavy tourist destination, so millions of people are on the city and county beaches every year. And when a nesting female comes up onto the beach, she'll go out back towards the dunes and dig a hole and lay her nest or her clutch there at the dunes. And what the risk really is, is cars and people and predators. That was Wendy Knight, the executive director of Sea Turtle, Inc. You can find the number for the Sea Turtle emergency hotline on their website at seaturtleinc.org. That is seaturtleinc.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. It has been a crazy tug-of-war this week between corn and cattle prices. So how did things wrap up on Wednesday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to OLI.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. A decline in corn prices led to increases in live cattle and feeder cattle futures on Wednesday. Live cattle for June down two cents at 118.60. Live cattle for August up 27 cents at 122.32. Live cattle for October up 40 cents at 126.55. May feeder cattle up $1.42 to 136.75. August feeder cattle up a dollar sixty-seven at one fifty fifty-two. September feeder cattle up a dollar fifty-seven to one fifty-two oh five. Box beef prices were higher Wednesday. Choice up two dollars and thirty-five cents to three hundred and fourteen dollars and seventy-one cents. Select was up a dollar thirty-nine to two hundred and ninety-seven dollars and seventy-three cents. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway, that means they had a good sale on Saturday in Lexington. Lexington, Texas, Lexington Livestock Commission Company. Russell Heller, how many noses did you count? Yes, sir, I had a good sale, 843 total head with 223 cows. Let's walk the pins. Thinner cows were 25 to 50, and the better cows 51 to 74. Three to 400 pound steers and bulls, 110 to 180. Four to five weights, 105 to 170. Five to six weights, a dollar to 150. Six to seven weights, 95 to 140. 
on the heifers, three to four pound heifers, 105 to 165, four to five weights, a dollar to 150, five to six weights, 95 to 137, six to seven weights, 90 to 125. How many did you count? 843. How does that compare to last year? Just about the same, about 100 head more. Good. What was the condition of the cattle that came through the ring? Now, if you see a few thin cattle, most of them get a little more flesh on. We've had some rain and some grass coming out, so they're getting a little bit fleshier right now. What are the local cattlemen buying right now, or are they just all selling? A few people are buying some young cows still, and a few people are buying a few replacement heifers. And what are the stocker and feeder operators looking for? Yes, sir. Most of them still want a little condition on their calves because they're turning a few out on but most of them are going into a grow yard right now. Do you know of anything for this next week, Russell? One man's supposed to have 10 pair, four to six-year-old crossbred cows. He told me Saturday he was going to sell them, so we'll, hopefully we'll get those. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, what time the sale starts, and all the good info. Yes, sir. Sale starts at 12 noon on Saturday, and you can get me on my cell. That number is 979-820-7002. I'm Larry Marble. Lean hogs traded higher Wednesday after trading lower for the last three sessions. Lean hogs for May up 32 cents at 111.80. Lean hogs for June up 85 cents at 112.02. Class 3 milk for May up 19 cents to 1908 100 weight. Class 3 milk for June up 65 cents at 1965 100 weight. Cotton started out Wednesday mixed ahead of USDA's World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates report and ended the day higher based on that report and weather concerns. Cotton for July up 48 points at 88.23. Cotton for October up 21 points at 86.64. Cotton for December up 14 points to 85.67. Hard red wheat for May down 19 and 3 quarters to 6.82 and 3 quarters. Hard red wheat for July down 19 and 3 quarters to 6.90 and 3 quarters. Corn for May down 2 to 7.57 and a half. Corn for September down 13 and a half to 6.21 and a half. Corn for December down 18 and a quarter to 5.93. Natural gas for July up 3 cents at 3.02. Crude oil for July up 72 cents at 66.02 a barrel. Wall Street slid on Wednesday due to concerns of inflation. The Dow down 532 points to 33,736. The S&P 500 down 74 points to 4,070. The Nasdaq down 326 points to 13,062. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.